This is Digital Marketing Fastlane. This podcast will show you how to build, launch, grow, and scale a widely successful online business. Listen to real conversations with proven practical strategies and success stories. You're going to learn how to generate more traffic, more sales, more profit, and customer lifetime value for your online store. Coming to you from the online marketing experts at Voy Media, here's your host, Kevin Urrutia. Hey everybody, it's Kevin Urutia here from Digital Marketing Fastlane. I have a very special guest today. We have Gaetano Denardi. Sorry if I said it wrong. Gaetano, how are you today? Yeah, doing well, brother. You did a good job on the name. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. I'd love for you to give us a background a little bit about yourself and sort of, you know, kind of how you got to maybe where you are now, but also just giving us details and a little bit about, you know, how you started with online marketing. Yeah, man. I'm a veteran in the game going on 10 years now of uh, professional internet marketing. I fell ass backwards into SEO back in 2010. I was blogging about my um, experience in the music business and uh, people were finding my articles in Google search. And I stumbled onto SEO from that saying, man, I could just create great content and people will find my stuff. Wow. I, I love that idea. So I became obsessed with SEO and from that moment, got into it pretty heavily, started off my career at an agency, then uh, went on to lead uh, SEO at Pipedrive, a pretty well-known sales software company that sells CRM software. From there, I, I led marketing at a, a pretty well-known B2B sales tech education company called Sales Hacker. Company was acquired by Outreach.io. And um, fast forward all the way to today, I'm leading growth marketing at Nextiva. Uh, we're a cloud communications company. And uh, you can think of Nextiva as a cloud phone system with, with superpowers. So that's kind of the, the background on me and uh, how I all got into it and where I'm at today. Wow, very extensive background. And I'm kind of curious, how did you like sort of get into like SEO, I guess? I mean, I, I started SEO too. It's sort of something I just like randomly did. And I got like really into it for a while. Kind of how did you start with that sort of thing? Well, you know, with SEO, I was working with really big clients in my first agency job in New York. And um, I just realized I was really good at it. I, I really understood keyword research right off the bat. I really understood content creation right off the bat. I really understood technical SEO kind of right off the bat. And in fact, one of my first big client projects was Trojan condoms. So I was doing optimization and keyword research for those terms. You can imagine what that was like. And then even first response uh, pregnancy testing kit was, was one of the clients that I was working on uh, in my early days. So I was, I was doing keyword research and content optimization for those terms. And you can imagine what that was like. So right off the bat, I think just because I was good at SEO and I had a knack for it that I decided to kind of take that and run with it and then branch off into doing paid ads and email marketing and marketing automation. But I think SEO is a great foundation for any digital marketer that's, that's trying to get into the game and grow and level up. Um, that whole concept of being a T-shaped marketer, I think is great when SEO is your foundation. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And I think it sort of leads perfectly into the topic that we have today, which is, you know, how kind of how paid and organic marketing teams should really work together in 2020. I really would love to sort of, you know, get your perspective on that and kind of maybe let's start by talking about maybe sharing some of the intent signals that we kind of see in the mm -hmm. sort of two channels. Yeah, yeah, right on. So intent signals is, is crucial, man. As you know, like every keyword has a, a different intent. So you could kind of get blinded by just the keyword stats. So for example, like if you, let's just say marketing automation as a term, 
as a search term. If you do a keyword search for marketing automation, what you'll see in the organic listings is a lot of what is marketing automation, how does it work, what are the best practices. So it's, it's more of an informational search. I'm sure some people who search that may be looking to buy a tool, but it is going to be a mixed bag of intent between informational and transactional. On the paid ad side, if you're a company that sells marketing automation software and you're bidding on marketing automation as a term, well, you have to accept that the intent signal for that term is going to be a mixed bag. And you have to kind of accept that there is going to be some clicks that you get, which you're paying money for, that are not going to result in a conversion. Um, so this is kind of considered the halo brand effect. Now, me personally, I don't believe in that strategy. Some, some people do. I don't like the idea of bidding on things that I don't feel confident have a strong chance of conversion. But I think just starting at that step one where your SEO leader or your PPC leader and your SEO team and PPC team kind of just get together and share what those um, intent buckets are based on each keyword or a keyword group or ad group, uh, you're going to be in a much better place to be successful because you're going to avoid those keyword traps such as marketing automation as a high volume head term. Yeah, no. And I think that makes sense too with me and kind of how I think about things. It's like, I, I like to sort of see the results. I tend to see kind of the halo effect. Yes, you see it sometimes, but it's really tough to justify. That's kind of tough there. And I guess another thing really going on that too, with like sort of PPC team sharing the insights with the organic is just sort of like headline engagement. I think PPC team is probably testing a lot of like ads, especially now with Google making it super easy to test headlines and sort of like just them doing their own variation. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, the team, the PPC team and the SEO team can sort of share on that? Yeah, man, right on. So this is a great one. Uh, so this is probably one of the easiest ones to do as well. So what's the great thing about doing PPC? Well, you have a lot of volume and because you have a lot of volume, you can understand the insights a lot faster than organic, especially if you're in an industry where the keywords have lower volume, you're in a low volume industry and you're trying to understand from an organic standpoint, what's working the best, what's going to get the most engagement, what's going to get the most click through, um, how you're going to improve click through rates. The best way to really run this is through uh, paid ads, especially uh, Google ads and PPC, your text-based ads. So your, your PPC team can say, you know, here's some of our highest volume terms, Let's work together on a ad copy testing playbook and let's run some of these variants and then apply the winning variants to our organic results and organic listings. And then we can measure the impact of the headlines that we wrote on our own versus the ones that we actually tested. And we could see that, okay, the ones that we tested with, with paid ads first are, are clearly performing way better. This is the way to go for a long-term testing strategy. Yeah, that sort of makes sense to me too, because if like the teams work together, that just leads like obviously with SEO, if you have a better click through rate on the, on the sort of like search results, then that means we've seen it like where your search results just go up because it, it answers the questions better or it's just more clickbaity to make sure that you have the great content on your page. Yeah. There. And so the cool thing about it too, is that you can uh, focus only on buying intent. That's yeah. the good thing about PPC. You can actually say, all right, we only want to test ad copy variants on, you know, marketing automation provider or marketing automation software or marketing automation pricing, things like that. Um, you can really narrow it down to more buying intent. Whereas with SEO, you can't really do that. Um, you're going to get a mixed bag. You know, if you rank number one organically for marketing automation, 
there's so many different intents that go to that page that it's hard for sure to, to narrow it down to, to the traffic that you want. So with, with paid ads, you can get even more granular, which is awesome. Yeah. Paid ads is great because you can really control like the intent and really get people to do the action you're doing. Of course, that's why PPC is also super expensive sometimes. And yeah, you kind of yeah, need the SEO there to sort of help with that. Yeah. Right on. Another one I really want to think about too with this, it's the PPC team and the SEO team. I mean, you've probably seen it too, where PPC team is testing tons of landing pages. They're testing other things that are convert. And then you'll see like the SEO doesn't really take those learnings. Kind of how do you think about that? And sort of why do you think that happens there? And sort of, you know, what should be done to sort of better improve that process? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, if you're running paid ads, you have to be running a landing page optimization program. Otherwise, you're just not going to get the, the most bang for your buck on your dollar. And the SEO team really spends a lot of time understanding intent and optimizing content in the way that audiences want to consume that content. And I think that's an advantage that most SEO teams have over PPC teams, because in many cases, PPC teams are not the best with landing page optimization and content strategy, because so much of their work doesn't rely on that. Now, the thing is, with SEO today, you actually have to create amazing content that audiences engage with heavily. So factors like time on page matter a lot scroll depth matter a lot, whether or not they click through deeper into the site uh, to, to more pages through that gateway page matter a lot. So engagement signals and just understanding the intent behind the traffic is crucial for SEO and applying a lot of that knowledge to the paid ads testing from a landing page standpoint is huge because the paid ads team just doesn't know what the SEO team knows. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, there's a lot of things that the SEO team doesn't know, which the paid ads team knows. So you, the only way to really maximize this from all levels is to be completely aligned with each other and just kind of working together on the landing page testing strategy and roadmap. If you do that, you're going to just be so much better off on both sides of the coin. Yeah. And I totally believe that too, where the SEO team, they're really want to make sure that users stay and make sure they read the content because that's going to make their rankings better. So PPC team should be looking at that too as a way to make sure that they're also getting mm -hmm. that done. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I really want to know what you mean when you, obviously there's something called like SERP domination. I kind of want to know what your thoughts are that, what that really means and sort of how does the, someone listening think about it and what, is, what does it mean? You know? Yeah. Yeah. SERP domination. It sounds like it's such <laughs> a crazy thing, but I'll, I'll just break it down real quick. So SERP, SERP, for those listening that don't know what that means, that means search engine result page. And as you probably know, Kevin, being an SEO practitioner, it's a lot harder to be successful in SEO now because of all the noise that is happening in the result pages. So noise means a lot of different things now. It means carousels, it means featured snippets, it means ads. And it also means vendor comparison websites, review websites, aggregator websites, affiliate websites. So going back to the example we we're talking about with marketing automation, if you're a company that sells marketing automation, it's really hard now to rank for some of these terms because you have your software advices of the world and all those Captera type sites. They're just doing list articles saying, you know, the top 50 best marketing automation tools for 2020. And they're going to rank pretty much every time. But what do you have to do? You have to figure out a way to get listed highly on those articles. So the affiliate, you know, review site game, you got to be on top of that. 
So that's one angle. The other angle is the organic listing itself. So can you at least be positioned three or four organically behind those sites? And then at the top, the ads, can you get an ad to be in, you know, hovering in position three or, or two or four in the paid ads so that, you know, your listing is there in, from three angles. It's a, it's a trifecta of the Google ads listing, the affiliate vendor review comparison site listing, and then your organic listing. The idea is to try and take up as much real estate space as you can in the search engine result pages so that you have greater probability of being found. Whereas if you were only thinking about one of those like PPC or just, you know, comparison site or just organic listing, you're significantly limiting your ability to be found. That's what the meaning of SERP domination is to try and get as many listings occupied as possible where you have favorability of being discovered through a specific keyword search. And I think about what you said, it's like a lot of people need to really think about what's ranking and then how to, they also can dominate that. Like if someone, if you have a Captera ranking above you for like, you should probably be on Captera or like, you know, G2 crowd, you know, all that stuff matters. And especially in the software space, you know, this is so important. Yeah. That's sort of like you come from a software, like tech background where before it was very easy to kind of be the number one player. But now if you have any software that's sort of good, you're going to have too many clones and then now you need reviews. It's like Yelp now for restaurants and people don't realize that like, even with reviews, like I know for me, when we go out to eat for Yelp, it's, it's not like a 4.5 or above. I don't go there. So like same thing with your software. It's like, not yeah. A, yeah, it's like, there's so much software now that's, it's commoditized. It's now based on reviews. And uh, this was already 10 years ago. This is very different, but that's the reason why G2 crowd is making tons of money and raising tons of money because it's so effective and it's just lead. They're essentially just lead generation. Exactly. And you know, that, that kind of gets into the brand aspect of it too. Cause like to rank highly on those software advice listings, one of the big factors is driving positive reviews. So yeah. if your brand and products suck, then you really have no chance of being found on any of those lists because you're not going to have the the volume and quality of reviews that you need in order to be a contender. So, you know, you can't just copy and launch a new product tomorrow and think this is going to work because it takes time and you got you to gotta build it up from scratch. The thing too is like, I think a lot of founders, you probably know too, like they hate these type of websites but I'm like, you hate it because your product sucks, right? So it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like, oh my God, I hate these review sites. And it's like, yeah, but you hate it because you have to, you actually have to provide customer service. You actually have to provide a good product. So they're mad that it just, it actually requires work. And it wasn't like before where people were just using your product and no one could rate or review it. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. I think going back on this sort of strategy too, it's Another thing I always tell brands too, you probably do, you probably tell this too, is like, if you see comparison pages that are ranking, you should make one on your domain too, because your domain mm. will probably rank for that, your product versus X, Y, and Z. It, absolutely. Yeah. So. I don't know if you know the famous example of Zendesk, but uh, yep. <laughs> you know that, right? Where they created yeah. a band. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So Zendesk is like, they're dominate completely with SEO and they're like really SEO driven company. So yeah, even like, I mean, you probably know this company too, Zapier, Zapier. Oh yeah. They're like- yeah. That is like the perfect execution of SEO. Like they rank for hundreds and hundreds of terms and their content, the way their layout is perfect. Yep. Yep. They have one of the best SEO strategies I've ever seen. I mean, they were so far ahead of the game. Uh, they were thinking about SEO back in like 2014, 2013. They were going hard. 
So they never took their foot off the gas and it's obviously paying dividends for them. So they, through their integration capabilities and also all their integration partners are constantly promoting them everywhere. Yep. So, you know, talk about backlinks, social promo. I mean, the, the flywheel for Zapier is really beautiful. Um, they've, they've mastered the game. So definitely a great example of, of a, a company to emulate and tip my hat to them. I think too with Zapier is that like, they're in that niche for SEO where every year there's more software coming out. So there's more queries that they can rank for every year. Mm, yeah. So, that's true. right. So like, whereas some software companies, it's, um, you don't have, you, you're only limited by a certain amount of keywords, but with Zapier, it's like, yep. I create a software now. I want to be on Zapier. So that means, okay, yep. now Zapier with integration with X, Y, and Z. And think about that. Like, it's just like so many. Yeah. Um, As opposed to like CRM, like, yeah. You know, CRM is CRM. It's not going to dramatically change overnight. It's not going to dramatically change overnight. And like, there's no, yeah. And then again, like you probably know too, like with SEO, I mean, I love SEO. So like, I love talking about SEO. Like, so yeah. once you do like, once you have like a more like domain authority, something like Zapier, like ranking just becomes easier. So, that's what, Yeah, that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. And you just get to the top so much faster. So much faster. Fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Right and then, uh, yeah, I love SEO. I think it's something that a lot of people don't think about or talk, but like, I think it's probably one of the better things you could be doing. Um, obviously yeah, it takes yeah, I agree, man. I think it's the most important marketing channel. I really mm -hmm. do. Um, you know, if, especially for like, if you're thinking long-term as a company, like I know yeah. there's, I know there's some companies that they ignore SEO because they think it's too hard, which is true. It is very hard, but what they do instead is they just try to, you know, bully their way into like two or 3 million ARR by doing outbound sales. And that's really challenging without a marketing engine behind it. So you can get to a certain point with just, you know, hardcore gorilla outbound sales, but I think you're going to, you're going to clip off at a certain point if you do that. Yeah. I, I also think the same way too. Like if you want to go long-term growth, you should be thinking about SEO, but most people want to do PPC. Of course we avoid media, we do PPC, but like it's one channel, but I always tell brands like, uh, we see it too. Like as you spend more money, stuff just gets more expensive. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. It's like just what it is. Yeah. It's like people yep. don't want to believe it. I'm like, yeah, you're never going to get that 20 RCPA for life. It's going to keep going day by day. It's going to be like, day okay. by day. Yep. Dude, exactly. as you said, with, yeah. with Zapier, you know, one reason they have so much opportunity is because new software just keeps coming out. Yep. So they have more keyword universe. The same is true and applies to the cost of ads. As more software companies keep coming out, it gets more cluttered. Everyone is trying to, to fight over that mindshare and landshare of new things. Then, then guess what? It's, you know, <laughs> it just gets more expensive. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, it's like you're fighting. Facebook can't get more millions of users every year, right? There's only a certain amount of people in the world. So, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, cool. And then another thing I want to talk about is keyword insights, you know, maybe how the PPC team should inform SEO on like sort of long-term keywords with buyer intent. That way, maybe they can make landing pages or vice versa. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's a, a pretty cool, cool thing. When you are doing like broad match and phrase match and PPC, you can get pretty long tail when you look at the search terms report. So for everyone listening, the way it works is, let's say we'll keep going back to the marketing automation example. You set marketing automation as like a phrase match query, and you can obviously put parameters on it in terms of like how tight or how loose you want it to go. But essentially you can bid on various phrases that contain marketing automation within it. So then within the Google ads platform, there is a way to just click on search terms 
which shows you all the variants that are getting clicks that you're bidding on in that phrase match bucket. What you end up seeing is oftentimes a lot of gold, which can be applied to long tail organic strategies, which, you know, it's essentially a free way of doing, well, not necessarily free because you're paying for it, but it's a way of getting keyword research insights based on things that are actually converting. So if you were to apply phrase match marketing automation and found something like, I don't know, marketing automation with, you know, integration for Microsoft teams for real estate, and that's a really long tail thing. But if that came up a couple of times and you're noticing conversions from that, well, then it gives you insight into, okay, we know real estate is a pretty good opportunity for us that we didn't know of before. We know it's important to have an integration with Microsoft Teams. So we got to figure that part out. And then you just start to get all these ideas for content strategy insights on the organic. And it's a beautiful way to just feed your content strategy from a long tail perspective. Yeah. And I think long tail is so important. There's so many ways to target people, get new customers, get new buyers. It just like completely makes sense. Yeah. Long tail is something that people need to be doing as well. Another one I'll talk about is kind of audience insights. What do you mean by audience insights? Do you mean like Facebook insights or like Google insights? What are you like? How does, how can the PPC team inform the SEO team about this stuff? We can keep using the marketing automation example, I, I suppose, but you may want to build out ads based on personas or job title profiles if you want to just get really broad. But let's just say, you know, you have um, growth marketers, you have email specialists at all different kind of like experience levels in digital marketing. So you can create messaging that's like meant for beginners versus meant for like experts. You can do all sorts of different ways to slice and dice it. And you can run obviously tests against those audiences and let your organic team know like, hey, we're starting to test a specific region, for example. Like we're finding that Austin, Texas is hot for marketing automation. Well, you guys can start to create organic localized content targeting those regions and you can scale that up, for example. Like I know for Nextiva, for example, we have a strategy where we test ads in different regions and then we start building localized content around it. So for example, it's like business phone service provider in Dallas, Texas. We'll, we'll test that out from an ad standpoint, see if we're getting conversions and if it works, then we'll build organic content uh, specific to that local region. So that's kind of what I meant by applying audience insights to, to, to SEO from your paid ads game. Then, and then I think it makes sense. It's so funny you're saying that because a lot, I don't think a lot of brands think about making local content at all. It's like, people don't really think about like, okay, like, how do I do like, uh, I don't know, for example, Avoid Media, like we have a page that's like advertising agency in New York City, right? We also have one that's advertising agency in Brooklyn, right? It's like this sort of localized content that people are looking for because like people want stuff that's like around them, you know? And yeah, think, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, one thing that you might want to run into is like when you're sort of duplicating these sort of pages, it's like, how do you deal with like the content or like the duplication of the content? How do you make it unique? Is that something you guys think about too? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's really important too. Cause you can't just create cookie cutter template pages, slap different headlines on them yeah. and say, yeah, they're unique. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. that's the, exactly the kind of shit that's going to get you um, in, in a bit of a pickle. The way around that is to do deep research into what makes that region unique and applying those unique stats and research points into your content. An example of that might be, let's use the business phone service provider in Dallas, Texas example. It might be the case that there are certain types of industries that use VoIP in Dallas, Texas. 
So we may want to say something like commonly used industry or, or industries in Dallas, Texas that are typically using voice over IP are the following. And then we would cite that with a link to whatever source that we find shares that data. It's about mixing in the product content with localized specific content. That's going to make somebody from that region feel like, oh, this company understands me. They took the time to at least figure out like what, what the landscape looks like in this area of the world. You know, Dallas, Texas is obviously very different than say, um, you know, freaking New Hampshire or something like that. So just having that all mapped out is going to be important. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Another great way for people to look at like SEO stuff is just like look at local businesses and see how they sort of make localized content there for themselves because that's purely local. Obviously, as like a company that's like worldwide or even more digital, you want to target these sort of bigger head terms. But even then, like you said, you can still take advantage of these like localized sort of things as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, perfect. And then I guess another, I guess from just for like my curiosity, what sort of SEO tools do you use? I know I love using Ahrefs. Uh, so I don't know what you guys use. I love Ahrefs, man. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I, we use it daily. Uh, we're, we're big customers at Nextiva, very happy customers. Been customers pretty much since, since day one. I feel like Ahrefs churn is so low. I don't remember the last time I'm thinking about cutting it because it's like, no, <laughs> like I need this tool. This is so important. Yeah. You know, the value you get for Ahrefs is pretty wild. They have so many new things now, like content gap analysis. And there's just so many ways to slice and dice the data that they give you. I also feel that they have some of the best accuracy when it comes to their data, much better than, than say some of the others. But overall, man, yeah, you can't go wrong with Ahrefs. Like I would say if, if you're just a beginner getting in, into the SEO game or you've been in it for a while, Ahrefs is the way to go. It's literally the best tool. Like, I love it. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. And they have a really smart team too, which they're always sharing. Their, their, their content marketing is great. I mean, I love their philosophy on paid ads in general. They just don't do them. Yeah. They just f- refuse to, to bleed into Google. And I, I, I really um, admire and respect that. They're very pissed off with uh, Google and like you can bid on their terms. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I agree. I, I can see where they're coming about that, but it's like, hey, if you're not going to do it, someone else can, will. So it's like, I can see both sides. It's like, hey, okay, cool. Like you're, you, you build a brand, you want to protect it. It's yeah. I think, naive to think that people don't want to use that to their advantage. It's yeah. So, so, I mean, like I can see, I can see why they're pissed off, but I also think it's naive to think that like you, you don't <laughs> want to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe to close out on this point, I love their, I mean, some say it's arrogance. Yeah. That, yeah, it's arrogance. Hey, that's what it really it, is. It's arrogance. You know, yeah. It's arrogance, yeah. right? Like yeah. we're, our brand, this is the position they're taking essentially. They're saying our brand, we've invested so much in our brand and we believe that our brand is so powerful and so strong that sure, you can go and bid against us if you want, if you are Moz or SEM Rush or whoever, but you're going to have diminishing returns because our brand is so strong that people searching for Ahrefs are really just looking for Ahrefs and they're not even really going to click your ads. And if they do, it's probably not going to be high performing or high converting for you because the intent and interest in Ahrefs is so strong that there's no way that you can weasel, you know, yourself into the conversation and steal leads. You might get a couple, but overall in the long run, the math is just not going to make sense. So best of luck. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's like, they can think do that and it makes sense, but it's just interesting because they're also like, they're also built on Google. So that's another brand. So their, their brand is literally built on Google scraping and like saying like, this is how you can make be a better person. I don't know, whatever. So it's like interesting, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's sort of like all the questions I had for you today. I lo- like love talking about this, love SEO. Kind of love to, for listeners or readers, really, where can they go learn more about just in general about SEO? Kind of how, like, like for me, at least when I was doing SEO, I, did, I was like looking at a lot of like affiliate stuff, just seeing like how are these affiliate guys making money online with SEO? That's sort of where I learned it. That taught me a lot of tactics and tricks and trips. Sort of how, how, where would you recommend people go to learn about SEO and all this stuff? Yeah, man. I love a couple of sources for SEO. So Twitter on SEO is awesome. I think some of the best conversations and discussions on SEO are happening on Twitter. So just go and follow the SEO hashtag. Go follow a lot of the top people in SEO on Twitter and automatically you're going to step up your game. I would say from there, definitely subscribe to the Ahrefs blog. I know this is like one big ad for them, but you know, go do that. Uh, Backlinko, Brian Dean, fantastic resource for SEO knowledge. I'm also a big fan of this guy, Kevin Indig. He, he produces more technical content around he's SEO, good. He's good but he's too. great. Uh, he recently published an internal linking guide that I just love. Uh, very underrated SEO technique that I would suggest everyone go check out. And then finally, I would plug in this guy, Dan Shore. Uh, he's got a podcast that I love called Evolving SEO. It's, it's for SEO nerds, so it's pretty hardcore SEO. He's but, good. Um, yeah. He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will go check that out as well. Yeah. So those are, so those are some of the top places I would say for SEO specific specifically. Yeah. Oh no, that's so good. Yeah. All those people that you mentioned, like people I love too. It's like, I love Dan's podcast. He's so great. I also love his voice. It's just like such a perfect uh, podcast <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah. He got that late night FM radio DJ yeah. sound. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Giotano, thanks for coming on the podcast. Where can people connect with you, find you, email you, anything like that where people can sort of, uh, you know, find you online? Yeah, yeah, right on. Um, You can go and follow my podcast if you want. It's uh, the Musicians in Tech podcast where we talk music, marketing, all combined into one. It's pretty unique and cool. That's pretty much where you can find me or just hit me up on LinkedIn. That's easy too. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. I love talking with you. It was great. Let me know if anything comes up. Right on, brother. Thanks for having me. It's been a great convo. Thank you. This week's episode of Digital Marketing Fastlane was brought to you by the performance marketing experts at Voy Media. Join us again next time as we'll be bringing you more tips, techniques, and know-how to make your online business the very best that it can be. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we'd love to hear them on Twitter at Voy Media. Thank you.